I'll, I'll offer one truism. There's a difference between wealth creation and the sustaining of the wealth or the wealth preservation. And that is that, you know, families typically get rich through concentration by having a business where they have poured their, their sweat and energy and expertise into and they've, they've created wealth that way. Um, but you stay rich through diversification. So once you have had that liquidity event and you've created the wealth, um, it's important, I think, to take some of the chips off the table and to um, create a diversified portfolio of investments that will uh, sustain future generations of the family. Welcome to the Business Transition Roadmap. My name is Elizabeth Ledoux, and through my years, I have seen how communities thrive when business succession and transition are done well. Me and my team at the Transition Strategists have been helping business owners develop and implement transition strategies for over 30 years. And on this show, we want to help you by giving you the roadmap to a healthy business transition. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our Business Transition Roadmap podcast. Today, I am so grateful to have Brandon Fisher with us. Um, he is a director, client advisor, and principal at Simon Quick, and is basically a, one of the people that founded the Denver office here for Simon Quick and also leads that office up. So just an amazing advisor. So welcome, Brandon, and thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me, Elizabeth. It's great to see you. Thanks. So I'd like to start out, Brandon, if you would just tell our audience a little bit about you and also kind of the journey of um, how you came to be an advisor. You've got a very interesting history. Well, thank you. It's kind of unconventional in terms of the work that I currently do, uh, but um, I'm on my third career. I was a high school English teacher first. I was a, a college administrator second, and um, I uh, made the transition into wealth management in 2017. And that move was prompted in part by an interest in working with my family and providing a potential succession plan uh, uh, for my dad and uh, a, a plan to preserve some of the legacy wealth in our own family. And um, uh, long story short, what made sense was for me to align my career with the need that my family had for uh, stewardship. So um, that's when I, I joined Simon Quick, uh, became a client advisor, became a certified financial planner, and um, work with families that uh, have legacy wealth, either through the sale of a business or through some kind of multi-generational legacy. Nice. Yeah, that is unconventional. And, um, and also a, a great thing that you saw the opportunity, a need in your family and the opportunity for you to fill that. And it also fit in your vision of yourself and your dream. Yeah, it's been great. I feel, um, you know, there was sort of a calling, which I think a lot of your uh, your listeners and your clients feel to serve their family and to work with uh, their parents. And, you know, that's been one of the most rewarding parts for me is adding that new uh, dynamic to the relationship that I have with my dad and uh, some of his siblings. So um, it's been, been a great fit for me. And, uh, you know, the 
the the title of your most recent book. It's a journey. It's true for us. It has been <laughs> has been a journey, but it's been a good one. Yeah, 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 and it looks yeah it looks fun in the future too. It looks fun I in think the so. future. Yep. Uh, yeah. So um, anyway, I thought that we would spend a good part of our time here just talking a little bit about what you see with families. Um, it's always, I think, helpful for the listeners and for our audience to have insight into things that work in a transition journey, um, things that really some people try and they just don't. And um, so why don't we start with that? What have you seen or what do you see families doing where the business actually is transitioning and how it's doing it and what's working there. Sure. So I think um, I should pr I should provide some clarity for your listeners just so they understand that, um, you know, what we do is we work with financial assets. So um, families that own businesses and they've created legacy wealth that they would like to sustain across generations come to us for investment consulting and financial planning and family office services. So um, we're not dealing with the operating business itself and we're not dealing with, um, you know, management or leadership issues uh, within the business um, as it transitions from one generation to the next. What we're dealing with, um, this is a little different slant on your on your podcast, I think, is the, the wealth itself, the financial assets. And um, oftentimes that is created by uh, a living generation. And I think that comes with one set of considerations. Um, in other cases, you know, the second generation or third or even beyond that will come to us for advice and engage us as, a, as their client or um, as their advisor. And that comes with a different set of considerations. But I think one, I'll, I'll offer one truism in answer to your question. Um, there's a difference between wealth creation and the sustaining of the wealth or the wealth preservation. And that is that, you know, families typically get rich through concentration by having a business where they have poured their their sweat and energy and expertise into and they've they've created wealth that way um, but you stay rich through diversification so once you have had that liquidity event and you've created the wealth um, it's important I think to take some of the chips off the table and to um, create a diversified portfolio of investments that will uh, sustain future generations of the family yeah. Yeah, and that's a great point. And sometimes I think of it, it's an interesting point because um, there are so a family office basically runs the family, but also manages the assets typically. Yes, mm -hmm. for the yes. listeners. And so when we work, sometimes we work with the family offices, sometimes we work with a functioning you know, revenue producing business. Mm -hmm. But in either case, I just see a family office many times as a business mm -hmm. because it still has potentially employees, still has taxes, still has, you know, some of the basic things. It's just that the, the revenue stream is from a different source, right? right? And hopefully in the family office, it's from a diversified source where in a functioning 
business, an operating company. Mm-hmm. It's from one source, which is very focused. Um, and sometimes, again, for our listeners, sometimes you'll have a family office that has functioning businesses as some of their assets. So they'll have one or more functioning operating companies sure. along with some of the assets, right? So, um, yeah, it's just an interesting thing to start to think about and wrap your head around what does that look like? And for you, you're managing the assets at the family office level. Which, That's um, right. And, yeah. you know, in some cases, uh, families will choose to have what's called a single family office where they hire employees to run their assets or, um, you know, manage the business and that kind of thing. Um, other times, families will outsource that. Uh, to what's called a, a multi-family office, and that's what Simon Quick is. So, you know, we what we try to do is is provide our clients with the freedom to to focus on what matters to them and what they're good at by outsourcing to us all of the other sort of financial considerations that might otherwise be a burden or a distraction. And we can be the quarterback for their financial life and work with their other advisors, whether it's investment bankers or attorneys or tax advisors, insurance brokers, people like that, um, to make sure that, uh, you know, they're, they're meeting the needs of their family. So, um, you know, that you're right. It's a business, um, whether they keep it in-house or they uh, farm it out to a firm like ours. Yeah. And so, yeah, it brings up an interesting thought um, that you just triggered on my side. So let's say a business owner is considering transition. And um, you know that I'd like transition to be a journey mm-hmm. instead of just like, oh, I'm selling up, I'm sold. Now mm-hmm. what? I like the... I like the strategy side of it. And part of the strategy side is if you're going to sell your business um, and have that liquidity event, what happens and where's that money going and how do they find advisors who Mm -hmm. actually can help them? And um, I think that that's one of the things that you could say is maybe missing Mm -hmm. in my opinion, when business owners get ready to do this, they're focused on, they haven't really made a journey sometimes. And they're focused on that exit event and just trying to get to that event and nothing wrong with that. Um, not though thinking about what's next for them and how they want to live their life, but then also what, what's next for that money and how do they preserve it? It's pretty frightening, um, to sell your number one, revenue generation source that you live on every day. It's true. Um, and I, I'll make some comments about that, but I um, let me reframe the question a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, what are the considerations for an entrepreneur who is either thinking of selling the business or has already done that? And, um, you know, I think those are unique uh Uh, compared to a a multi-generational family where the business was already sold one or more generations ago. So in the first case, if you have a wealth creator and they are thinking about selling the business, the earlier that we can engage them, the better, uh, preferably before the sale. Um, We want to make sure that they have the right advisor team in place. We want to make sure that um, we have... collaborated with uh, their legal representation, their tax advisory, uh, their investment bankers, that kind of thing, and that we have um, 
helped them set up the right entity structure uh, to receive the proceeds from selling their business? Um, you know, do they have the right trusts, life insurance, um, tax deferred accounts, 529 accounts for education planning, um, donor advised funds or foundations for philanthropy, those kinds of things, you know, if they kind of get the framework in place before they actually have the wealth, um, that can be super helpful. And I think reduces the stress surrounding the, the sale of the business. Um, the third thing I would say is that they need a goals based financial plan. Um, it, it should consider everything from risk tolerance to return expectations to income needs and liquidity needs and things like that. Um, otherwise, they're just sort of casting into the wind and, and, you know, maybe making investments here or there, but without any kind of strategy. And so it's important to first have the, the investment policy in place before they start to try to uh, build a portfolio. And then the last thing, and this is super important, particularly um, in, in the context of this conversation, is do you feel confident uh, that your family is going to adjust to this new circumstance, that they can navigate um, this adjustment to having legacy wealth. And that's where consultants and coaches like you um, come into play. So educating, uh, especially um, the clients, the primary clients' children um, about what's in store and assuring that there's an alignment of values within the family so that everybody's kind of on the same page about what they're going to do um, when they have this new level of wealth and, and how is that going to impact their family and how can we make sure that it, it isn't destructive, but that it's constructive in creating a family with legacy. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, a couple of things there is, um, I think many, many times, um, business owners are so again, focused on what they're doing, that the idea of a donor advised fund, a daft DAF, or, mm -hmm. um, a foundation or, you know, how to, how to have some tax shelters, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, they really are unfamiliar with them. And the other thing is, um, it's, I, I, the people that I've worked with that have sold and haven't done that work come in and they're, they're anxious. They're sometimes sad, depressed. Mm -hmm. They just, they're in a way sometimes terrified of losing that nest egg and don't know right. what to do because they, they were really good at doing this. But when they think about all the different things and the opportunities to invest, what they want to do is go back to the same thing, but they've got to not mm -hmm. compete or something, yeah. um, but they don't want to work for anybody anymore. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of data to support the idea that um, you need a retirement plan. And I don't mean like, you know, money in a bank account. I'm talking about um, how are you going to spend your time and how are you going to yeah. find meaning in your life and how are you going to um, – uh, continue to make other people better and lift people up around you and that kind of thing. So the focus of how, the, how you spend your time might change, but, um, you know, you definitely need a plan going into it. And that's actually a part of the, uh, the work we do that I enjoy the most, sort of the softer side of wealth management um, around 
relationship dynamics within a client family or, um, you know, helping people strategize about what they're uh, they're going to do through service or through giving, um, you know, and um, really sort of relishing the um, appreciation for all their hard work through building a business and then selling it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, um, okay. So we've talked a little bit about what worked a little bit about what hasn't worked. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, when you look, what's the biggest thing that people deal with as far as what's confusing, Mm -hmm. um, as they navigate into this strategy or structure of transition and then ultimately having that, if you want to call it a retirement plan, I call it sometimes a next adventure plan too. So I don't know, I don't know many entrepreneurs who sit down on the couch and actually retire. I haven't found those yet. Right. Um, Well, I I think unless you've been to law school or unless you have gone through the the training to become a CPA or something like that, you know, you probably um, don't have the arcane knowledge to really understand um, tax law or, uh, you know, some of the things that become relevant if you have wealth. Um, So I think people get confused about some of those things, you know, like, hey, what's this about a transfer tax? I've never had to pay that before. I've never encountered gift taxes or estate taxes or, um, you know, I never had to think about trust structure or trust situs or any of these issues. So, um, you know, how do I um, think about those things? Who do I need to engage to help me through that? Um, So that's really getting back to where we started, the importance of surrounding yourself with good advisors. And um, I think that takes the stress out of it for for most people. Um, Now, having said that, um, sometimes if people come of age in a family with wealth, uh, if they've been educated and they are genuinely and authentically excited about working within the family structure, they may pursue the right education and, you know, from an early uh, stage in their adult lives, become well acquainted with investments, become well acquainted with tax law, become well acquainted with, um, you know, legal structures, LLCs versus family limited partnerships and things like that, which make most people's heads spin. Um, but, um yeah, I think I think that that's really uh, where a lot of the roadblock is, is just trying to navigate this um, this world of, uh, you know, confusing words and terms and uh, arcane tax law and stuff like that. Yeah. And you're a you're a perfect example of, you know, from your story when you first when we first got into the podcast, um, just that. I think it's, I like the idea of the journey and I like the idea of the person transitioning, inviting Mm -hmm. in the successor Mm -hmm. properly. So Mm -hmm. the successors actually know, um, what might be helpful in order to, right. Take on the role. So then, um, I have, uh, she's a great friend of mine and she also, um, I've been working with her for years. Uh, her family had quite a bit of wealth she had no idea that they had it. Like it was Mm -hmm. zero idea, Mm -hmm. but there were multiple businesses going on. So instead, and so they had this kind of family office concept. They had some investments, but most of the investments were active businesses. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know quite a few entrepreneurs that start one. Then they're like, Oh, that's working. Let me start another one. Oh, that one's good. So let's start another one. Mm -hmm. So they end up with this, you know, grouping of businesses and, 
um, yeah, she just was like, you know, if I would have known what might've been expected of me instead of going and getting my history degree, I probably right. would have chosen, you know, chosen something else, but I just didn't understand. So I think that knowledge helps successors, people being invited into the business, um, or the family office to step up and do what's required because mm -hmm. so many times the people who are transitioning those owner founders, um, look back and they go, Oh, well, my kid wouldn't be able to do that. Right. And it's not that they wouldn't be able to, it's just that they haven't had the training and the knowledge. Yeah, and I, I, I think yeah. it's important to acknowledge that every family is different. So there is no recipe for, you know, when the child turns 16, they, they should be told this. And when they turn 21, they should be told that. Um, I think it's, it's really uh, dependent on the family dynamic. But uh, that is, uh, you know, going back to your earlier question about where, where is the confusion, where are the roadblocks? I think that a lot of it has to do with um, clarifying a common understanding within the family about everybody's role. You know, um, is there a need for a prenuptial agreement, a postnuptial agreement? Is there a need to talk about who in a blended family is considered in or out? Um, you know, what is the role of philanthropy and service in the family? And is there an expectation there in order to participate uh, in the in the uh, the family business, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you and I, as we were getting ready for this, we were just talking a minute ago about the idea of people living longer and, um, you know, next gens also living longer. So we were, I was just giving the example of, you know, a father who's, I don't know, a hundred now, maybe because our modern medicine is so incredible hundred. And then the kids might be 25 years younger, mm -hmm. which would put them at 75. And, um, right. yeah, if I like the idea of the journey concept, uh, because, if you wait until that time to sell, if you sell later, um, or if you transition later, some of the assets or even some of the responsibility and authority, you don't actually have to, you can transfer responsibility and authority. Um, assets can come along with it, or it can come later or even earlier sometimes mm -hmm. because of what, you know, whatever the family wants, but, um, the ability to do that, if you do that sooner, it allows you to have fun with your family. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I think um, you just made a really important point there at the end, which I'll expand on. And that is that, um, you know, working together, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, in a family office or a family business, I think is a great opportunity and it has the ability to strengthen um, relationships with family members. Of course, there's some risk. Um, obviously, there are people out there that advocate you always separate business and family and you should uh, hire outside advisors only and that kind of thing. But um, I can tell you that I think that um, if it's done with intention and it's done carefully um, and it's done with a, a, a mission of some kind, a North Star and um, some core values that sort of underpin the work that people do together. I think that it can be additive and um, uh, enhance relationships within a family. Yeah. And I've even seen it take relationships like brother, sister, sibling relationships, um, 
that are not as stable as mm -hmm. people might like them to be. And mm -hmm. by taking the brother-sister relationship, we'll take that example, and then creating a structured business relationship because they're, they have assets and it's better for them to invest those assets together. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a business or a building or whatever it might be, but yeah. it's better. It's, it's a functioning thing yeah. um, that I've even seen that the, there can be some repair over on the family side, but um, they're also with the right structure and that right, the values and all of that intentionality. Mm -hmm. um, you can have a working relationship that you didn't think was possible. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll offer another truism. I told you, uh, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, concentration makes you rich and diversification keeps you rich. Another truism is that you need to identify a wealth creator within each generation of a family that has legacy wealth. Um, there's usually some uh, entrepreneur at uh, the first generation that creates wealth. And then sometimes their intention is to set up future generations of their family so that everybody will be good. But uh, what's true about family trees is that each generation is is typically larger than the one that preceded it. And therefore, if you're not generating more wealth at each generation, everybody's going to have a smaller piece of that original pie. And um, so this speaks to the importance of education uh, within a family to the rising generation. You know, um, if you truly want to build a dynasty, something that lasts beyond two or three generations, you do have to provide education to the rising gen. You do have to uh, identify talent and foster that within the family. And that's not to say that that next gen has to work in the same business as their forefathers. It's not to say that they have to do the same thing. Um, they can choose an entirely different line of work, but it has to be under the guise of furthering the family legacy and um, building on, on what came before. So, um, yeah, that's, I, I think, something that people don't recognize is that with taxes, with poor investments, sometimes, um, you know, there's a, a chipping away at uh, wealth that was created by previous generations, and it won't last if you don't keep building it. Sure. Well, and it's true. Um, that's a great point that let's say you have your business and you're going to have this liquidity event and then all of a sudden it, you know, is your personal wealth. Mm -hmm. And so it's your personal wealth. Well, that in itself is also another, it's just assets that are being managed in a different structure, different right. status than the business that you had over here. And so in a way, in a lifetime, let's say you were a business owner of one business, transacted it, came into your personal side, and you're going to transition that again mm -hmm. someday. So in a way, uh, just thinking about what does that next transition look like? And don't forget about that one, too, because right. you do this one right, set up the family properly, and then you've got just an amazing life ahead of you. Yeah, I think, you know, in the family office world, some of the, the best practices or some of the families that really have done it right um, seem to what they have in common across generations is an entrepreneurial spirit. 
right? Yeah. It's not necessarily wanting to follow exactly what was done by their their parents or or those ahead of them. It's more about like how do I get innovative and how do I uh, become ambitious and create something, build something that um, you know my successors and future generations can benefit from. Um, so an example, I've, I've, I know of a family in California that going back four generations uh, created wealth through real estate development. And um, there's currently a rising gen family member who's become very successful with venture capital. So he looked at what his family had created and said, well, that's great. You know, there are certain characteristics uh, to real estate as an asset class, let's create a barbell where we're also, um, you know, we create this very successful portfolio of, of uh, growth businesses. And so you've got venture capital and real estate serving as a really interesting complementary portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a lot of communication and a lot of trust and a lot of other things to make a leap like that mm -hmm. as a family. Um, there's also, there's just, again, so much fun and um, connectedness that happens with that. So, right. um, yeah, so our, our time has gone so fast <laughs> already here. It's been fun. I just looked at the clock. I'm going, oh my goodness. But um, yeah, so Brandon, um, yeah, in your experience, you just have so much, you just have so much insight into some of this. Um, what would be a thing that you would like to leave with our audience that would um, be something that you'd like for them to remember or consider as they start to think about their transition? Sure. Well, I think um, estate planning, uh, this is sort of like in light of everything we've just talked about over the last 40 minutes, but estate planning is is super important and often neglected. Um, so for those who are thinking of selling a business or uh, who are creating significant wealth, um, make sure you've done your estate planning. If you haven't engaged a T&E attorney, you should do that. If you have an estate plan that you haven't reviewed in the last three to five years, I recommend doing that um, just to keep it current. Um, that's the you know that's the best thing you can do for your for your heirs is to make sure that uh, the assets that you've worked hard to create are transferred efficiently, um, and and. Uh, to your liking, to your intention. Um, I will, uh, just as a public service announcement, remind people that at the end of 2025, the current lifetime estate and gift tax exemption is going to be cut in half. So if you have not created the right trusts or um, other legal structures to transfer your wealth efficiently, keep that in mind. Um, and uh, I will, I will leave it there. Yeah, which is a, a great point, and um, and one to consider even if you're not thinking about a liquidity event, because there are all different kinds of things and strategies that can be done to, gosh, yeah, create different trusts and things like that. We don't do that, obviously. We're not mm -hmm. tax people or attorneys. I'm not, but um, work with enough of them that uh, there are some different strategies, and even if you have an active operating company. Um, you can think about transitioning some shares or some other things before that deadline, mm -hmm. just so that you get that transferred. That's going to be a big one for people to keep in mind as yeah. they, as that gets neared. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, and I also just wanted to point out, you and I have known each other for about four years, and it's been great that we've uh, collaborated as as colleagues on on more than one client. But um, I want to make sure that I thank you um, in this format uh, for the good work that you've done for my own family. Um, uh, I um, shared your most recent book, It's a Journey, with my dad a couple of years ago, and uh, we agreed that we needed your help. And uh, that's been really beneficial and ongoing. So thank you for um, the, the good work that you've done uh, with my family. Well, thanks. And, and Julie, thanks for the one, the opportunity and two, the trust, because that's a big deal to um, I think it's a really big deal to be introduced to a father from a son. So I Absolutely. appreciate that. That was it's, brave. It's been um, been all good. So thank you. All good. Well, thank you. Thanks, Brandon. My so, pleasure. Um, uh, I just, again, Brandon, thank you so much for being here with us today. I hope that the audience will do some, you know, listen to this and then take away some great things to consider and ponder as you navigate not just your transition, but also what's next, because mm-hmm. it's all one big journey. It starts now and will continue throughout your life. There's so many fun things that you can do. Um, also some scary things <laughs> and uh, engaging in those and facing them, engaging in them. There's opportunity everywhere that there's fear. So just would love to encourage you to engage. I like that positive reframing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Business Transition Roadmap. If you are listening to this and you find yourself wanting to go deeper into these topics and start the process of putting together your transition strategy, I'd love to offer you a free initial strategy session with my team, where we'll help you to explore the future transition of your business. Head over to www.transitionstrategist.com to schedule a call. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Business Transition Roadmap.